Hey everybody, we have a whopper of a show for you this week. This is Radio Radar episode 73. We are talking all about Mass Effect Andromeda, which is technically a video game. And we are talking about a metric ton of amazing games we saw at PAX East. We're talking about Battle Chef Brigade, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, the Final Fantasy XV DLC, Pathologic, the new ToeJam and Earl. It's just an insane, never-ending lineup of really, really great games that we played. Listen on. You don't want none! I hustle for my muscle and you look weak, son! Real weak! Yeah! I'm going for all that I can get, kicking at the top, because I'm too legit to quit. Sing it! Too legit! Uh, too legit to quit. Hey, hey, too legit. Too legit to quit. Uh, yeah. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Radio Radar. This is episode 73. Uh, thank you very much, Staff Roberts, Dave Roberts, for filling in as host this past hey, week. Anytime. Last week's episode was really good. Thank you. It was fun. It was a good um, discussion. We had a good yeah. talk. Yeah, uh, very, very much so. Uh, Connor, Anna, and Dave really rocked it out. So that's Dave that you hear on this episode, Hello. everybody. And uh, with Dave is myself, Anthony John Agnello, and we also have executive editor Susan Arndt. I'm dying. <laughs> is your face too tired? My, my face is tired. No, okay, so I have two stages of sick, right? Mm. I have when I'm, I'm really, really ill. At which point, like, I don't move. I'm just in bed. And I'm right. just kind of... Ju- and then I have the, I don't feel well. And I am the whiniest, <laughs> most... Ju- like, like feel sorry for me. Like, oh my god. So, I'm dying and I would like you to bring me soup. The, the funny thing is, Susan, I, I only have, like, there's... there I have the same thing, but they're sort of in reverse... And it's like when I, it's when I don't feel good, but it's not extreme. Mm-hmm. Then I'm like whiny, take care of me. But if I actually don't feel good, like for real, don't feel good, mm-hmm. I am like a farm dog that is dying. <laughs> like I crawl beneath the porch of my house, and if anybody tries to come near me, I'm like, <laughs> and I just wait. I just let it. Oh man, this pass. is this is bringing up some disturbing memories. Oh, uh, the the man haunted by the past you hear there is none other than staff writer Sam Prell. I've seen things. <laughs> Sam, you, the things you've seen are me topless getting ready for bed and watching Adult Swim. That is that that is that, that was a magical a moment. Uh, yeah. I'm really glad that we got to have a slumber party. All right, look, look, look. I just, I want to make this extremely clear. Mm-hmm. Had I known right. that there wasn't actually a second bed in your hotel room, I would have made arrangements for you. So, listeners, to, to catch you up, uh, Susan, Sam, and I are freshly returned from PAX East, which was a real hell of a show. PAX it was East great. It was is great. More, it's more exciting than E3. At this point. Oh, oh, totally. Absolutely. Without question. It's just a more exciting event than E3. I feel like like the the events the events I wait for throughout the year at this point 
just in just in terms of being a video game fan, even not attending these things, are PAX East and PlayStation Experience. Yeah. And Gamescom. I know? completely agree. I completely well, agree. Like these are the things where you actually see like the exciting developments in the video game world. I know it sounds strange to single out only one of the platform holders at PlayStation Experience, but PlayStation Experience is like uh, if you are uh, like weird games, it's Christmas. It's it, every December now. It's like, oh, hey, we did the God of War announcement at this past E3. How about nine Yakuza games being announced? Yeah. How about a Parappa the Rapper pop-up store? It's great. I here's, love it. Here's the thing, though. It if the if either Microsoft or Nintendo did the Microsoft, you know, the Xbox experience or the, or mm-hmm. the you know now Switch experience. It would probably be just as awesome, but what they do... Like, Microsoft doesn't really... Wait, wait, Microsoft makes video games? <laughs> please, please, don't send letters, don't, just don't, don't do it. Uh, you know, we get Nintendo Directs all yeah. over the course of the year, and some of them are absolutely the same kind of thing you're talking about. Like, just... Totally, totally. Just like, oh God, give it to me, put it in my veins, one right yeah. after the other. Microsoft doesn't really have anything like yeah. that, do they? Like, Gamescom no. is a pretty big... has traditionally been a big deal for them, but they don't... There's no one localized come enjoy our stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, the events that Nintendo puts on are usually pretty small. Like, they'll they'll be like, hey, come check out Smash Brothers mm-hmm. at Best Buy uh, yeah. two mm-hmm. weekends mm-hmm. in the summer. Or, hey, we have a van <laughs> traveling to the Mall of America. Come to the Mall yeah. of America and play, like, ten games for a weekend. Maybe- the funny thing is, is back in the day, Nintendo was the originator of the of the one company event. Oh there yeah, was Nintendo Space World. Yeah, for for all of the '90s and the early aughts, there was Space World, and I love that name. It's <laughs> like, a it's a great it has, name. It has nothing to do with anything they made. Welcome to Nintendo Space World. Uh, the yeah, company we're, that we're no longer makes Metroid games. The oh. We're, we're freshly back from PAX East. PAX East was oh a riot. Susan and Sam both, uh, and myself, were all on a, a bunch of really fun panels. The personal highlight for me was the Susan Arndt's very own baby game show night, which you guys can see on YouTube if you want. Susan, what is that under? Is it just PAX East game show night? Uh, yeah, just Google that. You'll find it. You'll find it. Yeah. Uh, and we're, we, we apologize for nothing. Uh, <laughs> so PAX, PAX was great Sam and I had a slumber party in a single bed We watched Samurai Jack together Again, and... I want to stress <laughs> You know, I, and again, I, I will stress that I didn't mind time. it It was fine yeah. It was, yeah, it was great. a good time I, sl- I slept better at PAX East 2017 than I have at any convention I slept better than I did at E3 2016 Dave and I were stuck in hell we were oh yeah the, the garbage above. nightclub from yeah <laughs> yeah with the table that great. didn't work oh my god this that was awesome it was great it was such a that, great time that table you're gonna love this segue the table at that hotel which had no flat surface on it by the way this was a table with literally no flat surface on it that is the Mass Effect Andromeda GIF made form yeah yes yeah <laughs> perfectly put a mal shapen monstrosity where where like, all you can do is ask why does this exist you you look at it and you see okay i see what you were going for you were going for table 
how the hell did you end up here? That's <laughs> much I can't even that put is, a glass thing over this to make you can't, it flat. You can't. That's the thing. You couldn't. There. Oh god. And the unevenness. There weren't two points that were the same level, so no, you couldn't rest anything on it. Anyway, enough yeah. about the table in the hotel. No, that's that's that is that is truly. Before we get to to PAX games or anything else this week, we really sort of have to address the elephant in the gaming room of the game called Mass Effect Andromeda. Which My face is none tired. of us. I'm really, I'm really surprised you didn't go with the Elcor in the room there. The Elcor in the no, room. No, because Elcors are likable. Disappointed sigh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like I feel like an Elcor describing Andromeda would be like mixed emotions, <laughs> abject horror, feeling wondering of how this could have happened. Uh, yeah, Mass Effect Andromeda is in uh, people's hands. There are people playing this game. There are people uh, who are playing it on EA Early Access. Um, guys, we actually have to pause the podcast. Somebody just walked up to my front door and is trying to walk in the house. Okay. I don't think we have to pause the podcast at all. I think we can just sit here and uh, wonder, wonder about who <laughs> is trying to perform a home well, invasion. I mean, I, I did Anthony. press pause. Oh. I didn't. I didn't. I'm not gonna. Let's keep it going. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'll just, it'll be me again. I'll be the one telling our editor being like, hey, my sound's off by like a second. Oh, I've, I've done it plenty. Okay. Usually to try and avoid dog barking. Bark, bark. You know what it was? <laughs> it was EA showing up at Anthony's house being like, <laughs> <laughs> think you got bad mouth our game, bro? Nice rug. Shame if anything happened to it. <laughs> Brings the whole room together. That movie is terrible. Aww. It is. It's no. awful. It's a, that's it's a good terrible. movie. No, it's How not. about it's an enjoyable movie? Nope. I even I even <laughs> compromised. I took a step down from good to enjoyable. Not gonna leave nope. not gonna meet me halfway Mm-mm. on that. But it's a I'm not, no, of I the hate film noir tropes and the. I the hate Sam everything character. about it. But here's why, and this is this is again part of the discussion we had at Olive Garden. By the way, I've finally been to an Olive Garden. Yeah, you have. Um, how about uh, those was, breadsticks? The breadsticks are meh. I mean, yeah. they're nothing. Like it's. Mm. Um, there is not a single single likable character in the movie. You don't. I am not rooting for oh, any. You don't like the dude. Get a fucking job, <laughs> you lazy fuck. <laughs> the bums always lose. Get a fucking job. <laughs> Pay your rent, motherfucker. Susan, have you have you seen the show The Good Place on NBC? I have not, but I hear it's. It wonderful. is wonderful. You probably you since you don't like unlikable characters, you probably won't like the main character in the first episode, maybe the first two episodes. But here's the awesome thing about the good place: characters change, they grow, they oh. have arcs, they have stories, they they actually end up in a different place emotionally than they were at the beginning of wow. the show. Okay, so this will be canceled soon. Yeah, then, probably. Obviously. 
it's, it's okay if there's like one or two unlikable people, right? Like that's that's totally fine. I just cannot deal with, and it's usually a comedy show where everybody's a dick. Oh, do you not like It's Always Sunny then? Oh. I've never seen that, but okay. like Arrested Development, I, re- I can recognize that Arrested Development is incredibly well-written, very well-acted. Like it is super, super smart. I can't stand it because I want everyone, with the exception of Jason Bateman, to die in a house fire. Like a really, really hot house fire. Like not a good house fire, that, not like, a pleasant one. No, no, no. <laughs> Just a really, uh, no, like no, all no. the supports are falling apart. And... Yeah, like, you know, because sometimes there's a house fire and people are sleeping and it's actually the smoke inhalation that gets them and they don't, you know, right? no, 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 no. I want them <laughs> to to feel the flesh melting off their bones like they try to get the doorknob to get out and it burns their hand and like their skin is stuck to the knob and they pull their hand away because ow and then like half their hand is on the knob that is what i Susan thought through this thought this through oh yeah 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 sign and then we'll put the entire cast of seinfeld in there as well <laughs> what the hell did i just walk back into <laughs> Oh, you were Susan. This is like a big Lebowski. Yeah, you were gone, so we talked about the big Lebowski, which led into talking about unlikable characters, which led to Seinfeld. I think we should keep all of this. For the podcast. <laughs> Sam turned his keep... recording. No, no, no. Off. I I paused, but I then could... as soon as Susan was like, "Hey, let's not pause," I was like, uh, "Okay," and so I unpaused. Yeah, it. I think everything. Yeah, uh, sorry for the interlude, everybody. My my next door neighbor's granddaughter just showed up and is locked out of the house next oh, door. Oh no! Yeah, but uh, she I I lent her my phone. And everything's cool. Oh okay. Um. All right. <clears throat> all right. I can't wait for so, you to come back and uh, find ten charges for. I don't know what do girls buy nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> what do the youth like? Well, I, I I think I think what we're at what we're in. Uh, in a moment of is uh, things get interrupted and take a very strange turn <laughs> out of the blue, and you're like, "Is this real life?" And again, we have a re- we have life imitating Mass Effect Andromeda. <laughs> oh my gosh! I believe yep. this. So this will be out after the embargo lifts yes. on Monday. Yes. So so we can we can say things is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me put it to you this uh, way. Okay. So. Well, none of us have played this game. Yet. No, no. But I'm good. Okay. So Andy Hardup, uh, the executive editor in the UK side of Games Radar, is the one who's doing the review for us, and he's been he's been playing it all week, just nonstop. And I sent him a message. I'm like, so how's Andromeda? All I got in reply was a poop emoji. <laughs> That's it. Nice. So uh, there are there are there. Like, people keep posting things as they discover them. Uh, and, like, the first ten hours of this game are available on EA Access. So people, right. pe- like, like you know, civilians out in the wild are playing. I have a, I have a question about that. Mm-hmm. Do you have to have pre-ordered the game? Or is this, no, like, it's... anybody in the world? No, it's EA, it's just if you pay for EA Access. Yeah, it's, like, okay, $5 okay. for a month. And if you're part of their program on Xbox mm-hmm. One... <clears throat> It's Xbox One and PC, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right, you just yeah, yeah. pay the five dollars and you can play it for ten hours. Okay. Right. Okay. Okay. So, I was always a little fuzzy on that. Yeah. So that's 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 what's going on there, and like there are so many people posting insane things, but there there are a selection of clips 
that I feel like keep popping up. Mm -hmm. Like, you have characters just walking behind another character and vanishing. Yeah. You have, you have the, my face is tired dialogue. Oh my god. Okay. What? You have hell. the I really need to use the bathroom, Roadie Run. <laughs> I I don't know what upsets me more about that character. The the line my face is tired or the fact that like their idea of characterization is making her this like grammar pedant. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's oh, her, oh yeah, that's, that's right. That's her character. Cause she shows cuz she cuz writer shows up and she's like uh, the the whatever her name is the one who says the dumb line is like what happened and writer says to who and the fucking other character says to whom who the fuck cares <laughs> what is wrong with okay, you look 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 <clears throat> precision of language leads to precision <sighs> of thought let's let's well, you know i actually i think it's kind of cute for somebody in the middle of, like, a space war to (laughs) care about grammar. Like, I think that's adorable. But my face is tired? Yeah, it's not not the characterization that's the issue. It's the presentation. It's it's the animation, the voice acting. Like, this looks like a game. Like, let's say that the docs, the old Bioware docs, uh, you know, rather than leaving Bioware and going to start a brewery, they were kidnapped by the aliens from Galaxy Quest <laughs> yeah. and, didn't, and didn't actually have a copy of Mass Effect for them to base their society on. So they just described it to them. <laughs> and this is the, like, bizarre mess that came out of it. I, how does this game happen? Like, are we ever going to find out what the hell happened here? Because this is not... Someday we will. Yeah. Yes. Like, like, and this is okay. I want to. I want to. I want us to be clear that there are two separate things happening. Mm -hmm. There are technical issues, which are the 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 ragdoll stuff. Like uh, our our news director Leon Hurley posted a gif. His character was was jumping, and every time he landed on the ground, his the bottoms of his legs from his knees down would just collapse. Yeah. And he would just, yeah. and then like, he like he was a little marionette. So we've got those things the the backwards gun, I don't even know how that happens. So that's the technical side. And then there's the stuff like my face is tired. Right. And, right. and apparently the lack of any decent relationships in the game. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, you know, I, I'm, I'm, Again, I haven't played this game. I'm not speaking from experience with with hours and hours and hours of play, but I'm speaking from based on what I've seen. Correct. This is not a game that I would ever go out and use money dollars on based on uh, on the footage. Like nothing about it says here are outside of some cosmetic similarities. Uh, there's nothing about Mass Effect that I enjoyed that seems present here. Which is really good writing. And, like, honestly, like, really high-quality technology and art. You know? When I go... When I play Mass Effect 2, uh, I I like the way it looks. (laughs) Not to be petty. But, And it's like, like... I don't know. It looks okay for 
like a Mass Effect game from the 360 or PS3, but you know, like th- there are certain expectations for a game that's in development for four years and is on next gen hardware that they specifically touted at like a PS4 Pro conference saying, look how great our game looks. And then you right. play it and there's a dude duck walking across the floor. Like, <laughs> to, to be this as, is what, this is what fair I... as possible, to be as fair as possible, all the stuff that I've seen regarding. Uh, the exploration gameplay, like how the landscapes look and combat looks, that generally looks very good um, and fluid and and tight. It's all this. It's all the stuff that people really like Mass Effect for the characters and writing that's, and conversations that seem to be garbage. That's this is and this is what I don't get. I don't understand how. The fundamentals aren't present. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't get it. Like people arguing over the the characters aren't attractive enough. Okay, that's okay. a person. Who cares? That's, that's a personal that's taste thing. Stuff. Whatever. Yeah. That's that's artistry. Okay, whatever and whatever. But the f- characters walking is fundamental. Characters yeah. staying in the shot instead of just <laughs> vanishing, <laughs> like literally, like poof, like they fell through a trapdoor. That's fundamental. And yeah. even even more than that, you pl- yes, you play Mass Effect for the shooty bang bang and, and stuff like that, but you mostly play it for the story and mm-hmm. how these characters interact and relate to each other. You play it for the world. And mm-hmm. if that, if they're not delivering that, what is going on? Yeah. Yeah. This is, it's not as though there, EA is not, uh, above releasing something that is brazenly unfinished. I mean, the Sim City debacle three years ago sure. is is still very significant. You know, this is a game that EA, you know, said like, oh, this is the future of PC gaming, and it has to always be online. And it was, like, it literally didn't work. It was just, A, sold on a big pile of lies, and it was a barely functioning product. But they have never released... A, a you know single player focused game in the past five to six years that was anything less than polished in the fundamentals. You know, uh, you you can take or leave Army of Two, the Devil's Cartel, but it was a game that you could turn on and play. I and choose finish. take for the uh, for the record. <laughs> you said what? you could take or leave Army of Two, and I yeah. said I choose take. I said Devil's Cartel, <laughs> Anyway. But yeah, like, I, like the fact that they would release this game in, in this state when, like you said, Susan, just the basics don't work is, and is crazy pants. So what I was assuming was, as is pretty typical for AAA games now, they release the game, they release the day one patch, it fixes a bunch of stuff. Uh, let's remember... One of the best games of this generation, The Witcher 3, was pretty broken yeah. when oh. it came out. It was not entirely garbage, but it was definitely challenged. And then they patched it, and it's, it's you know, become amazing. Except Bioware has come out and said, they ain't fixing these animations. This is it. Right. Yeah. What you get is what you get. Well, and, like, not just that, but, like, The Witcher 3 even when it was broken, like, the voice actors still sounded like they cared. 
True. Yeah, true, listening true. to like, the, the, yeah. Li- go ahead. I was just gonna say listening to what's her face. I don't even know the character's name who says my face is tired, but you listen to it and it's like you can hear the confusion and hesitation in the voice actor's delivery. She's just like, what the fuck does this mean? This is, and this is another thing. I mean, think about the, the, the voice cast from the Mass Effect trilogy. I'm not even talking about Shepard, both of whom were freaking amazing, mm-hmm. right? Because I don't, I think, I think the Ryder twins, I think they're actually quite good, the voice actors. But the, but the supporting cast, like Rex, Tally, Garrus, give me a break, come on, Thane, stop it, Morden, yeah. just. Mm, and that, I'm not seeing that, man. Yeah. And I'm wondering how far along the voice acting was in this game when the the uh, voice actor strike started. Oh, that's an interesting question. Because oh, that is a fascinating question, Dave. Yeah, because I don't know. Like, typically voice acting seems to be recorded pretty early in development, but, but it also, like, depending on how often they, like, write and rewrite. And it's like, well, if we get halfway through recording lines and suddenly the dude who plays writer is like, I'm on strike, well, they mm. have to get someone to re-record all those lines. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like how... Mm-hmm. I won- No, that's fair. That's yeah. fair. And I believe, if and, and, I remember and, 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 right, it, uh, EA was on the list of companies that the strike was specifically targeting. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, but even then, so like, okay, there's, there, there is maybe some insight into the performance of these characters vocally, but the animation stuff, like, Uh, yeah, like that, that still doesn't cover Like, is this, what engine is this Frostbite. Frostbite. uh, Yeah, this is Frostbite. Okay, then come on. Like. It's all, yeah, it's not like this is new tech. Like. If you if you could make freaking uh, no that's that's a false equivalency. I was gonna say like you know Star Wars Battlefront looks like a a a freaking the pinnacle of game design achievement compared to this running on the exact same technology. Well, I mean Dragon Age Inquisition I, is a similar game of similar scope, yes. and that game looked fine. Like I it, mean it it did it did have its share oh, of for sure of bugs. There was you know uh uh the one character. The, the Iron Bull's uh, man-at-arms. I uh, can't remember his name. Anyway, who hovered above the chair. Yeah. In the pub. Oh, yeah, that's Which was right. pretty great. Right? And there was, I mean, there was a, a few things like that, but it was, I don't, I certainly don't remember it being to this degree. This is almost the I reverse didn't... of what happened with uh, Mass Effect in the first Dragon Age, because Mass Effect was great and was built in Unreal, and then the mm-hmm. first Dragon Age was sloppy and looked like ass and was also built in Unreal and came after uh, Mass Effect. So now you have Dragon Age Inquisition, which looked really good. In my opinion, it looked good. Uh, and oh, it, it was great. at least competently put together with not nearly the amount of bugs or at least noticeably jarring ones that Andromeda seems to have. Just, yeah. just as, as everybody here has said at least once so far in this podcast, what happened? Yeah, yeah. it's disappointing. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> I mean, okay. Here's the thing. 
The game is not terrible. I don't know anybody who has played it that is like, this is garbage. It's, it's you know, a travesty. Well, right, but, right responding, responding with a poop emoji is pretty telling. Tra- right? Yes, but, I mean, I also know what the score is that he's giving it. So, it's, it's, it's not... It's a Dave Roberts game. It's fun. Is yeah. what it is. <laughs> it just—it seems very, it's very fine. like by the numbers as far as open world. Design yeah, there you too. go. Just like it—it it, it is competent in what it does. You go out, you shoot people, you look at stuff, you go to your waypoints, you pick up items, you move the story along. That stuff seems to function fine. Um, it's the story stuff that is worrying me and nothing I've seen from the story, from the voice acting, from like the characters, none of the characters look, I, I remember talking to you, Susan, at PAX South and just being like, the two lead characters are just like, they look like Mayo. They're just, they are the bland, Blandy McBlanderson and his space adventures. Like, I don't. I would play that game though. Blandy McBlanderson and his space adventures. Okay, I actually would play that. Um, Yeah. Gruff McBlanderson, and uh, like space guy McBlanderson. Yeah, and like and and it's like okay, you know the the main character has to be kind of a blank slate because the character like you are putting your sort of spin on that character with your choices, but then all of the supporting characters just look as vapid as mm-hmm. as the main characters, and it's just like like I don't. The, the first trailer that I saw of Mass Effect 1, I was like, I'm in. I want this game mm-hmm. in my life. I want to play it. I want to I want to be in this world. And every time I saw Mass Effect Andromeda, I never got that same feeling. I never got yeah, like, agreed. oh, this is a place that I want to be in. This is a place I want to explore. It just felt like... It felt like an inevitability because it is a popular yeah. series that EA owns and they're going to make another one. And it's it's really I, like I feel like this is another example in just the past six months of a series where you have to wonder is is there greater value in just ending it and not making a a yet another game and just you know finding new creative ways to resell what you've already made. I think about the money that Microsoft poured into Gears of War four only to have that game, you know, get decent scores and then immediately vanish from everybody's mind, uh, you know, within weeks, because the the public has just moved on from that series. They got what they wanted from it, and it's over. And it almost seems like Mass Effect is one of those series where it's just like, we got the story we wanted. We still love the story as it is. Uh, you know, complicated emotions about the ending aside, let let that lie like don't sit there and you know flog a dead horse and keep trying to make that game when you could very easily just say we're we're, we'll do star wars or lord of the rings or whatever and and keep re-releasing the old games why not do that why isn't that valid you know why come on don't be dumb come on two words cha-ching yeah but i'm saying you could have made Imagine how excited everybody would be right now in the middle of March if this was Mass Effect Trilogy remastered with all of the bugs worked out, all of the DLC put back into 2 and 3, all on one disc for PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. People would buy the bejesus out of it. You're not wrong. You're not not wrong. Yeah. I would buy the bejesus out of it, but... 
you uh, it's it's the difference between re-releasing the Star Wars trilogy again or making new Star Wars. You sure. will always 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 make more money from the new thing in the beloved universe. Always. And it's not that mm. and it's also not that uh you know the idea of con- the idea of continuing the series is bad. I love the Mass Effect universe. I remember when there was rumors that BioWare was looking into doing an MMO set in the bi- in the Mass Effect universe, and it's like that'd be fucking rad. Um, yeah. But it's just this particular execution on that hasn't panned out. Yeah. You know, right. we were really excited, and we put up an article about the the Matrix. Uh, thing that's apparently not a reboot but is but whatever uh and we're all really excited to go back to that universe and see something new so people want the new thing and people enjoy i think continuing this experience it's just that bioware and ea it feels like david said very paint by numbers like a hey people like mass effect let's make another one yeah it feels like a game made by a team where none of the original creators are like the, yeah all the people from bioware who made the mass effect the thing that you like about mass effect the mass effect that you like they're not there anymore and it shows here's i mean it's it's like what this feels like to me is if you did a bullet list of elements of mass effect in space uh, hub on a ship, male-female playable, playable protagonist, crew of characters, some of whom you can romance, they hit all those marks. But what they're missing is the connective tissue that made it special. And here's, this is the stupidest way to sum this up, but when you, we just came back from PAX, right? And if you're not, if you're not familiar with PAX, what PAX is, it's a consumer show for nerds. And it was in Boston, and it was very, very cold. And everywhere you looked, someone was wearing an N7 hoodie. Yep, yeah. It was omnipresent. It was everywhere. I myself was I was one of those people. And it's not just because, hey, they make really good hoodies, although they do make really good hoodies. It's because there is a very strong emotional attachment. People have N7 tattoos, right? Ain't nobody getting an Andromeda tattoo. I, You know, I just don't see that bond like they'll play you will play the game and i virtually guarantee you will enjoy the game it is solid i asked this question of you guys earlier and i I feel like it's worth revisiting here on the podcast if this was a shepherd game do you think people would have been more excited and i realized like yes oh shepherd was dispersed Mm -hmm. as energy at the end of three or shepherd you know went off and opened a fruit stand or you know whatever they could have created narrative justification for bringing back Shepard and bringing back I don't eh. I mean there's so many ways you can take that that's such an that's such an open-ended question I feel like it's not really fair because uh, you could bring Shepard back and now Shepard's the bad guy you could bring Shepard back and now the Reapers right. are whatever it's I feel like just bringing Shepard back in your example isn't enough to really tell and also i don't i don't like looking back and saying well if they had just done this sort of thing like that's uh former reviews editor that worked for under a previous uh management at joystick richard mitchell was always like you know don't 
judge a game based on what you want it to be. Judge it for what it's right. trying to be and does it execute that well. Andromeda wants to be the new adventure set in a new place, still tying back to the things that you love. It doesn't sound like it is executing on what it wants to be, regardless of what I want it to be. Very well said. Very well said. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, man. Well... I feel like there's no transitioning from Mass Effect Andromeda other than walking behind a Krogan and disappearing yeah. up its ass. Like, that, is, <laughs> that is the Andromeda transition, apparently. Uh, you know, for, for, for all of the sort of uh, consternation that this game has caused us, the games we played at PAX East, I would say, uniformly made us excited about video games. Uh, for the coming year, for, for March 2017 to March of 2018, mm-hmm. <coughs> even even something as little as uh, you know, I fell asleep during one of the demos for the games I played at PAX East. But even that wasn't like, oh, this was a bad game. It's that it was so soothing and well made that it just lulled me into a place of pure comfort. That was yonder by the way, which is the Susan Artist game <laughs> I played at PAX East. Susan. Does it, does it have chickens that you can put hats on? <clears throat> uh, basically, what would you do if I said you could have Wind Waker and Story of Seasons slash Harvest Moon at the same time? Uh, 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 can I have that? Like, <laughs> are there cute animals in it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. One of the first things you have to do is go feel, feed, like, wild cows <gasps> slash bison seeds oh. and then ride them back to your farm. Oh! <laughs> it, yonder is Susan Arndt crack. <laughs> it, like, I, I, yeah, I, I was sitting there and I was like, well, this is lovely. And, like, it literally, if I were an insomniac, I would use this to treat my illness. Uh because it's just so calm and so chill. But uh, I, I was like, Susan would lose her life to this ah, game. Like, it would I devour am, everything. I am not familiar with this game. Tell, tell me everything. Tell me everything. Yeah, all right. What do you actually, do? Yeah, yeah. But well, that's as good a place as any to start with our PAX East overview. Uh, Sam and I both played this game. It is coming out for PS4 and Xbox One and PC uh soon and it is it, it, very basic you are a sort of little link type person you like very much the same dimensions as the characters in wind waker big bulbous heads yeah uh you you're shipwrecked and you wake up on an island with a happy little town and a windmill and you just set out to go find your crew and find out where the hell you are and it's it's you go to town and they're like well you know if you're going to be here for a while you should probably build shelter there's a a spooky miasma covering a little plot of farmland you better go to that farmland and clear it out and build your own farm by collecting materials and then this is this is this is susan art the game it is Susan Art the game. It is Dragon Quest Builders slash Harvest Moon slash Wind Waker. Oh, and it's it. My God, 
just just this <laughs> lovely uh you know it's not cell shaded but it i, I would say it, have you seen uh wind waker running on wii u wind waker hd mm-hmm, yeah where, where it doesn't sort of have that flat cartoony look it's more of like a molded very simple 3d look mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. that's what yonder has going molded on. is a molded and... is a good description it looks like uh it, it, it yeah. reminds me of like toys mm-hmm. you know you are there mm-hmm. everything's smooth and colorful and yeah it yeah and it, it very expressive and like the townspeople there are like you only see like five or six townspeople it's a very digestible amount and they tell you what you can go do where you could go check out what you can build and that's it is a it is it it is a beautiful relaxing uh meticulously crafted experience and i can't stand it yeah (laughs) (laughs) i so i i will say too i am not the only person that had this reaction the the official account for yonder on twitter posted up on saturday of pax east someone fell asleep in their booth oh dear this is in the in the middle of the indie mega booth there was a person curled up on a pillow behind the demo station sleeping and this was not a person that worked there this (laughs) is just a person that like fell asleep at the yonder booth so that is that is what you are looking at as uh, a game um it, it was really cool I, you know I, again i it's not for me yeah this is just not the kind of thing that i look for. yeah uh but it, it was it was one more example of I, I the one thing that just kept occurring to me wandering the pax floor was that all of the like delineations and categorizations that uh, you know, diehard video game people, whether they're critics or, or uh, you know, just fans that were using to talk about video games even five years ago have broken down. There is no oh, they're meaningless. more... They're meaningless. They're, and, Action and like, adventure. And, <clears throat> but everybody has embraced that finally. Yeah. There's no more, this is an indie, this is a triple A. There's no more, this is a retro-themed, you know, thing for nostalgia people. It's just everything is just games. And I, I loved that feeling of variety and breadth and uh, the fact that there was, like, the indie mega booth now just felt like a tighter space uh, that was the exact same sort of stuff that you were seeing over in, like, THQ Nordic's huge booth it was really weird to see a huge thq booth yeah again by the way i felt like i was time traveling like you you would see like the stuff over at square enix's booth like the only difference between a square enix booth and uh the indie mega booth is like the number of cosplayers already dressing up as like as what's on show uh it was really exciting and i i the the number of things i played at pax east like, nothing was bad. I never walked away thinking, this was a crap game. It was either too early to have really taken shape, or it was just excellent. Um, the one thing that I do want to highlight before we talk about the best publisher of all time at uh, at PAX East, <laughs> the best publisher that was like went from crappy Flash games to legit noise uh, in the span of a year, is Mario Kart 8 
Deluxe for Nintendo Switch. Uh, I... <laughs> Susan and Sam were getting, like, the play-by-play from me on Friday morning because I was flying into PAX as a snowstorm was arriving, and my very first appointment was for Mario Kart 8, a game that I was like, is this going to even be good, or am I going to feel like I'm getting ripped off having to buy this again after Wii U? And then, Susan and Sam, I think I texted you both right away that, like, this is it. This is the next game that is going to sell Switches. Yeah, the ba- the way you uh, basically introduced it to to me was you said, I have a headline. It's, do you need Mario Kart 8 Deluxe if you already played it on Wii U? And the answer is yes. Yeah. And that yeah. shocked me. That really surprised me. Yeah. And, and it, like, it surprised me, too, because I, I feel like all four of us after, you know, the big Switch reveal last fall where there was that commercial of all the fashionable young hip kids playing at parties and stuff, we were like, oh, sure. We're like, right, Nintendo. People are going to go to a barbecue. Oh, Amelie 2 is what, what you're talking about. Yeah, right, okay. <laughs> right Amelie 2. Yeah, people are going to... Audrey Tato is going to go to a rooftop barbecue with her Switch and just bust it out, and everybody's going to be playing... playing Their boyfriend who works together. at the sex shop. Right, yes. Yeah, I, but like this, this is the thing when we said, when we all, I was there with uh, four other uh, journalists at this Mario Kart demo and they had four switches land together. And like the first thing I was like, wait, like land support, really? What is this Mario Kart double dash? Are we back there? Uh, The very first thing I requested was they were like, do you want a racing wheel? Do you want uh, our, our cool, you know, Wii racing wheel or do you want... A uh, regular controller, and I was just like, give me half a Joy-Con with nothing on it, because I want to see if what you're selling me with a Switch means automatic two-player Mario Kart anywhere you go if you have the game. And it works like a dream. If you just have that little half a Joy-Con from the left side of your Switch or the right side, and you're playing the game with that, it is a perfect controller for that game not like really? oh this will do in a pinch a perfect controller for the, game. the little yeah. the little tiny the, yeah. slightly bigger than a stick of gum mm-hmm. controller yes i i and not only that but we were playing both races and the new battle mode and i was on one tv with another guy so we were doing split screen and i had the split like the little you know nub stick of gum controller and I never felt like I was impeded in any way. I felt like, oh, I'm just playing Mario Kart, and it's perfect. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that is, that was the thing that really blew my mind about it. The fact that if you have a Switch and you have Mario Kart anywhere you go with the machine, you have two-player Mario Kart at all times. And it's really kind of remarkable the way the game accommodates any sort of multiplayer situation that you can imagine. It'll do four-player split-screen on the TV. It'll do four-player split-screen on the Switch itself. Uh, you know, if you're doing the tabletop mode and everybody has really good eyes <laughs> because it'll be really tiny. <laughs> just yeah. just uh, get right on in next to somebody there. Just get, just get right on in It'll there. take me back uh, to when I was 10 and had my grandma's old, like, 8-inch TV playing Mario right. Kart or GoldenEye with four people. But, like, the thing is, is I had that moment where I I said to myself, like, the dorm room party, this will work. Like, this is exactly what they were selling and that we scoffed at 
where the idea that you could just like whip this thing out and all of a sudden have a four-player match going it, it's real like it, huh. it actually worked uh it that blew my mind the bat the new battle mode stuff is also cool like there's actual new content here if you didn't you know if you were like oh well i'm just gonna play it by myself there's new stuff here the battle mode is a blast it's really fun uh the best of the new modes is something called renegades where it's just cops and robbers so half the racers are chasing the other half and putting them in jail okay and... which one is lorenzo lamas <laughs> So, uh, here's what happens. If you're on the chase team, you are uh, Charlie Sheen. You've stolen a car. And then Anthony Kiedis and Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers are pursuing you in a monster truck. Uh, no. That is, okay, that is for those of you who are yeah. not incredibly old, Lorenzo, <laughs> Lorenzo Lamas was in a show called Renegade. Yeah. And he had, and that... he, he had the, a mullet that... That could be seen from space, and an apparent, uh, apparently some sort of uh, disability that prevented him from buttoning his shirt the whole way ever. I wouldn't call I'm that a disability. Like, yeah, I'm now, I'm now like <laughs> picturing picturing it in my head again. Uh, it's been it's been kind of a long time. Uh, yeah, Mario Kart was great. Mario Kart was really really cool, and uh, it wasn't the only game that was on the show floor that was a Switch game that was coming out in the not-too-distant future that really kicked ass. Sam, you have a preview up on... It's not really a preview. It's more of just a, a lovely feature about the thing uh, on Games Radar right now about Battle Chef Brigade. Yeah. I love that game. Yes, oh. and uh, I love that game too, which is funny because... So I still need to write a preview for the game that I actually went to go preview there. Uh, but I went to Adult Swim Games booth, which is who is publishing Battleship Brigades. I saw the game that uh, I was there to see, which is Rain World, which is very good. And I will be writing up more extensive thoughts on that. So look forward. Uh, but as I was leaving the booth, I'm like, all right, well, time to, you know, head back and collect some thoughts and all that sort of jazz. I just see out of the corner of my eye this... Legend of Korra-esque uh, artwork and I turn my head and I'm like what's that game? And so I walk over and uh, a station just opened up right as I walked over to it. I picked up the controller and immediately fell in love with this weird mishmash concept of like half side scrolling beat em up, half match three wrapped in the iron sh this iron chef presentation thing. It's it's really, really cool and um I went back and looked at the Kickstarter page which kind of explains this whole thing, how uh, you know, in this world, instead of just having adventurers that kill monsters, uh the adventurers kill them like fantasy monsters like dragons and cyclops and piranha plants and all that sort of stuff and then use their meat to feed townsfolk and so the most famous adventurers are also the most famous chefs um, and so they then construct a society around that and a competition to see who can be the who can be the very best and uh, yeah I went back and watched the kickstarter 
And even from then, it has improved so much. Uh, it's just like you can tell that they've done a lot of work on this, and it's so charming and beautiful to look at. The combat is fun. The match three puzzle is, you know, you don't have to feel like a puzzle solver to get this concept and to, to feel like you're good at it. But yeah, it's it's a lovely game. Surprise hit of the show for me. I had to write about it, and I'm I'm so glad that I checked it out. So Sam mentions that it looks like Legend of Korra, and that's that's not just a oh, it's kind of anime-ish. No, 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 no. No, literally, yeah, literally, it looks, literally looks like uh, like Legend of Korra. And the I asked the the devs like, what's the biggest obstacle to getting this game out? And it is the art because they have such a very specific vision they want for it. And if the art director does everything, obviously it's going to take a really long time. So they have other people doing art as well. But because he has this specific vision, they've got very few people who can actually do a character in all situations start to finish. So they'll have one person who just does faces. They'll have one person who just does the background. They'll have, you know, that's how it breaks down sometimes because they want this art to really just be so perfectly done in 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 and also very mobile and very fluid and uh you can tell man when you're playing it it is just gorgeous whether you are doing the cooking part which is the the match three puzzle solving or you're running out around the world and using magic and getting into fights and all that sort of stuff I cannot wait to play this game. Like, ever since the Kickstarter, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to act like this game doesn't exist until it's playable and real in the world. Mm-hmm. Because I don't I don't want my heart broken. Yeah, like, that's pro- fair. The, the promise of it is so strong. It, it's so... You know, I feel like I feel like as a phrase, this is already getting, like, destroyed and beaten into the ground. Uh, but this is my aesthetic. Like, <laughs> 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 like I, you know, I, I look at with that first sort of concept trailer for it. I was just like, oh shit! How did they know I used to stay up until three a.m. watching Iron Chef and then playing Golden Axe? Like, it, yeah, and, and the fact that it's as good as the premise sounded. And that they're putting in the time and effort to really make sure it lives up to their their vision of craft is remarkable. Uh, It's also really cool that this game has been adopted by the publisher of publishers at PAX East, which was Adult Swim Games. How did we get here? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, I... What? This is another thing I want. I want to to talk to them and dig deeper on. But how? What was it? Just seven seven years ago? Was that how long it was from a robot unicorn attack? Robot unicorn attack. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Twenty ten. Twenty ten. Yeah, and you know, like Adult Swim games had flash browser games on their website before that, but they were exactly that they were flash browser games they weren't anything special and even robot unicorn attack is really well put together but it's it's a time waster it's a it's it's a pull it out on your phone do one run while you're waiting for the doctor or the bus Mm -hmm. or whatever and then put it away and forget about it and none of the games at 
uh, PAX East from Adult Swim games will leave my mind. Like I, <laughs> I, I think about Rain World and I think about Battleship Brigade and Katana Zero and Kingsway. Susan, oh my God, Kingsway! Oh my God, Kingsway is so okay. Tell me about this. Good. Yes. Okay, 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 yes, okay. Please, okay. please, please talk. Okay, so Kingsway will, if you are of a certain age, Kingsway yeah. is going to hit you right in your gooey center, and it will make you feel everything you ever felt when you were playing games on your old computer with your old operating system. It the It is an RPG that plays out in the windows of your OS from like, it's like Windows 95 or the, or the real old Mac OS. It's got that very distinct boxy look to it. And every, every, the entire way the game interacts with you, which is very typical of RPGs. You get quests, you have fights, you collect loot, you buy new equipment, all that stuff is all carried out on your computer desktop. You get quests in your email. So you'll see a little email alert show up and you click your email and it's like, oh, this is the details of this quest. Do I want to accept it? And you reply to the email if you want to accept the quest. <laughs> my, fa- my favorite effing thing. This is the coolest thing. So you have the, the, t- the task bar at the bottom of your desktop, which lets you know all the applications that you have open at the time, right? All the tabs down there. Yeah. So a thief can show up. Oh, no. And he'll just show up as a tab in your taskbar. There's no announcement that this is happening. He just slides on into your (laughs) taskbar. And if you don't notice and close him, he will steal your stuff. Oh, my God. And he'll just slide right back on out. It's genius. Oh, my God. It's so cool. And then... Uh, when you when you you will uh, travel from place to place as you're traveling from place to place you might get into a combat encounter and you will have to, and it will appear in a pop-up window that will start sort of slowly bouncing around the screen and you have to make your decisions and click in the in the little pop-up window to decide whether you're attacking or healing or whatever and then if they throw a projectile at you like a dagger or or like a poison dart or something it will be its own little pop-up window that goes across the screen really really fast and you have to click on that before it disappears to avoid being hit by it oh my god it's just oh my so god good. it's so freaking good i lost it i was so the booth they had this in was designed like a, a desk like the desk in your room with uh, your your Ziggy mug and your, <laughs> your, your dictionary. Wait and a second. The, wait a second. Susan, you're always accusing me of dropping dropping references to things the kids won't understand. Can we contextualize Ziggy? Do people know what the hell Ziggy is anymore? <laughs> okay, first of all, I want to say that it was a legit Ziggy mug. Yeah, it's actually it was, a Ziggy she's not, mug? She's yes. not just pulling that out of, out of thin air. It was no. a Ziggy mug. Oh yeah. My God. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ziggy was it was the most inoffensive comic strip ever created. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a dude with a great big nose and no pants, and he was just very very nice to everybody. Yeah, that and was the joke. Yeah, Ziggy. That's, that's, it was like right Ziggy. underneath the Kathy comics in the Sunday paper. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so and so, I, I'm sitting at this desk, looking at this big honking computer. 
and it's it, it, it the aesthetic is exactly like what I remember from when I'm younger, and it was it was just goddamn delightful. I died real fast, and I'm cackling with glee over how much I'm enjoying well, the experience. Well, because when you die, so uh, when it's game over, you know how. Uh, uh, God, like, if your computer froze back in the day, it would often, like, the window would multiply, and it would just kind of, like, spread or fall down mm-hmm. um, and take over your whole screen. That's what happens when you die in this game, is you have a little pop-up yeah, saying, yeah. game over, you got this far, you had this much XP, and it just starts multiplying and multiplying and multiplying in diagonal lines across the screen until the whole thing fills up, and then it goes to a blue screen, and it's like... Oh, my God. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh wow! Uh huh. Yeah. It's real good. It's cool. real good, and it's it's just so damn creative, and that's what keeps punching you in the face with every Adult Swim game you encounter. It's just so fresh. It's just so interesting. Even if the even if like okay, it's just an RPG. It's the same RPG you've played a gazillion times, but it's presented in this. Wonderful, delightful, fresh, new, inventive way that you're just like, yeah, I, I need it. I got to put it in my veins. Give it to me. Man. Yeah. And then that that's, awesome. that's kind of a theme that, yeah, I saw with <laughs> other Adult Swim games was, you know, Rain World is basically uh, kind of a halfway point between Don't Starve and Metroid. It's this mm-hmm. exploration survival game. And those two things on their own aren't terribly original, but just the way it's put together and how comprehensive it is and how clearly it has been thought through is really well done. Uh, Katana Zero is basically side-scrolling Hotline Miami, but it's just, again, really... I love this, uh, the, the look of this, this feel, this way that everything comes together... It's it's real good. Adult Swim games. How's the music in that game? Katana uh, Zero? I, I, yeah. Uh, it's kind of hard to say with how the how the uh, convention center was. So oh, I'm not okay. sure that I could I could comment on it. Probably not going to be as catchy as Hotline Miami's. But then what is? <laughs> I, I it's so crazy because it's like seven or eight months ago at this point. Right when Headlander came out, uh, which was a really uh, neat little game, you know, imperfect, but very cool. And Dave and I were streaming with both the developer of Headlander and the the, uh, head of publishing at Adult Swim Games. And they were like, yeah, you know, we really want to try and start getting more substantial, uh, interesting projects like Headlander out. And Dave and I were both like, that's nice. Good. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely Adult Swim games. Please tell me about your next uh, 99 cent iOS game. Like like an asshole, that's what I thought. And now, like, oh, God, they knew. I didn't know. They They, knew. So, like, can I? I... Yeah, go ahead. Can I talk to you about Toe Jam and Earl? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Susan, you actually played it. Real Toe Jam and Earl! It, it's it's Toe Jam and Earl! Okay, so... I want Okay, so first of all, I got to talk to uh, a, a dude who actually worked on all three Toe Jam and mm-hmm. Earl games. Oh, wow. And I am, I am a huge Toe Jam and Earl fan. I love that series. I have played all three games. 
And so I, so now I know what happened with them. So the first Toe Jam and Roll game is this super goofy co-op game. Uh, you're aliens. You crash land. You break your spaceship into pieces. You got to go through these levels to find them so you can get home. And there's all sorts of wacky power-ups, and Santa is leaving the presents along. And it's just a very funny, goofy game. Great. Super well-received. Huge hit. They go to make a sequel. They start working on a sequel to that game. Sega comes in and is like, "Mm, no, we want you to make a 2D side-scroller instead. Mm. And they're like, "Uh, but that's, uh, mm. well, you have all the money, so okay. I guess we'll make a 2D side-scroller then. And I love Toe Mineral 2, but it is it is absolutely not the same game at all. I've never, I've never played that or 3. And 3, which also had the same sort of torturous development cycle. 3? Because, so what happened yeah. with 3 was they're like, okay, 2 pissed a lot of people off because whether or not it's a good game, it is not the sequel to Toe Mineral. It's the Zelda 2. It's the Zelda yeah. 2. Exactly. Exactly. So they go to make Toe Jam and Earl 3. And they're like, okay, great. We're going to try this again. And then the dude who had the money at that point comes in, puts a copy of Donkey Kong Country down on his desk and says, play that start to finish. That's what I want for Toe Jam and Earl 3. I want oh. keys. I want mini games. I want doors you got to unlock. Like, that's, and that's how Toe Jam and Earl 3 became Toe Jam and Earl 3. So for the new Toe Jam and Earl, they're like, okay, look. We ain't letting, this is not, no. This is not happening again. We're going to kickstart it, and we're going to make the game that we, we have been wanting to make this entire time. And then Adult Swim came along, and they're like, hello, we would like to give you money. And they said, mm-hmm. eh, mm, no, mm, thanks, but mm, that doesn't go well. And Adult Swim's like, no, 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 you don't understand. We want the game that you've been trying to make for years. We would like to give you money to do that. And then they said, oh, okay, that's cool. So the new Toe Jam and Earl is absolutely the game that the Toe Jam and Earl sequel should have been. Same deal. You're looking for spaceship pieces. Uh, you're going from level to level. There's presents. There's a randomizer, rocket skates. I'll, I'll, it's, it's evolved slightly. Uh, to be a bit more modern and have a few new tweaks. But it's also very, very much channeling the original. Like the original, there was an animation between the levels of being in an elevator. That's how you end the level is Toe Jam and Earl, get in the elevator and take it to the next level. And it was to hide a loading screen, right? Because it was on a Sega Genesis. Well, they don't need a loading screen anymore. And the original version of this Toe Jam and Earl, obviously, didn't have an elevator scene in it. And people were like, where's... Where's my elevator, man? <laughs> I, but 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 Toe Jam and Earl get in the elevator, and then we see the funky background, and and then they say something to each other, and then we get out of the elevator. <laughs> well, yeah, but we don't need to cover up a loading screen anymore. Where's my elevator, man? <laughs> Just so they put it in. So there's an elevator now. There doesn't have to be, but they're like it's not Toe Jam and Earl without it. So. I really liked, it's... Susan, I really liked when you were telling me, because Toe Jam and Earl was one of the few Adult Swim games I, I didn't check out. Um, mm-hmm. And that's partly because I actually have never played any of them, so I don't have any of the history. But the way that you described meeting with this this person who was involved with all of them was so just 
delightful because you were talking about how at the beginning of talking with him, uh, he was very, this is Tell Jam and Earl 3 or 4, yeah. this is our Kickstarter game, it has these features, and, and then you start talking about all the things that you really liked about Toe Jam and Earl and how you are a legit fan and you start like getting excited and then he's like, Oh shit, you're like a legit you're like a legit fan. Okay, yeah, let's fucking talk about this game. It's awesome, it's great. Yeah, that's exactly how it went. It was so <laughs> exciting. I can't I okay, look. I have been doing this job for a long time. I don't like I feel the fangirl thing. But I don't freak out when I meet people most of the time. <laughs> but this guy, like, when it, when, when, so the PR lady brings me over to this guy, and he's wearing a Toe Jam and Earl sweatshirt, and I have no idea who he is. I'm like, okay, clearly he's working on the game, but whatever. And as he starts talking to me, I realize, wait a minute. And I ask him, I'm like, wait, did you, did you work on the original Toe Jam and Earl? And he's like, oh, yeah. And I, 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 could, I literally could not speak. I, I, I get all like, oh, like when you see a puppy, like that's how I got. And I just, I just, I kind of curled up and I could, I couldn't say anything because I was so excited. And he's like, oh my God, you legitimately know about this game. And so we just totally like nerded out for like 10 minutes. It was great. That's so awesome. That is so cool. That's like that is the ideal Pax East experience too. It really is. That's 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 the the sort of platonic ideal of going into that room. Susan, was the was the Toe Jam and Earl statue they had next to the demo a person in a costume or a statue? Both. Toe Jam was a statue, but then Big Earl was a dude in a suit. Oh, okay. I was so confused. <laughs> Whenever I was like, every time I walked by, I was like, "Am I just like really tired and punchy, or is that statue moving?" <laughs> uh, yeah, that's enough. So, uh, yeah, ask Sam when I saw Big Earl. I lost it. Like, oh my yeah, God, no! yeah. And I was like, "Do you do you want a picture?" And she's like, "Oh no, I I couldn't possibly." Yeah, so Adult Adult Swim Games really uh, really sort of took the cake at PAX East. We did see some other things. Uh, if you're curious about Final Fantasy XV's first story expansion, I you're played not. 30 minutes of it, and I can yeah. give you a little preview right now. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all we need to say about it. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I will say on, on a happier note that uh, as a close runner-up, Annapurna Interactive is also doing some really great uh, games that they are publishing. But they might as well change their slogan to, we publish beautiful games with terrible names. Because <laughs> it's, that is the truth. it's What Remains of Edith Finch, which, while evocative, is not easy to parse if you're not already familiar with the game. Uh, they're also publishing The Artful Escape of Francis Vendetti, which, terrible. again, terrible name, lovely game, made a hell of a huge first impression, and uh, Goragoa, which, what the fuck is a Goragoa? Well, it's a beautiful puzzle game, not that you would know by the name. And Donut County, which, again, Donut County, uh, I feel like Donut County is an oh. okay name, but 
No, that's a pretty I, good uh, name. No, I, it's, it, that's appropriate, though. Yeah. Once you actually play Donut County, Donut County. I'll let Donut County slide, so, but but the rest of them. Yeah. Susan, did you play Donut County? I sadly did not. Oh. I did not another, get to play that. That's another one that is that is Susan Art the Game. I I played Donut County and uh, what what remains of Edith Finch all the way back at Judges Week at E3 2015 when those games were just starting out, and Donut County at the time was like like just a tech demo that only ran on iPad <laughs> back in 2015. <laughs> And like, and and the developer, who is just the sweetest, loveliest person, was just like standing there next to his iPad, and nobody was going near it. And I was like, "Eh, shit! Why not? I'll play this game." And it is delightful. It is like, it's almost like Katamari yeah, Damacy yeah. in reverse. What? Uh, what you, I don't know anything about it. What is it? Okay, so you're like. <laughs> You don't okay. play as anyone, do you? Yeah, you don't play as anything. You are what? You you are looking at what appears to be like imagine Susan the tackiest southwestern theme art from the early nineties. You know, okay. like pastel colored cats. Oh, I gotcha. Yep. You know, like you'd walk into that shitty tchotchke store next to Spencer's and they're trying to sell you like salt and pepper shakers that are actually look like salsa cans. Though yep. that kind of shit. And and there are raccoons in that art eating donuts and like riding mopeds. <laughs> it's inhab this and town what? is inhabited by Animal Crossing if Animal Crossing characters were hipsters and single mothers. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. And what you do is on any given you know, arena, you'll be like at a campsite or a trailer park or a donut shop parking lot. And what you are doing is you are in control of a tiny hole on the ground. Okay. And you steer the hole. Uh, you steer the hole and you find what it's really tiny. And so you find something that will fit into the hole. And then if you. Oh my God. Drag, it's like reverse Katamari Damacy. Yeah, it's reverse Katamari Damacy. And so you'll, something will vanish into the hole. Like, so you'll roll it under like a stop sign. Stop sign will vanish in. Then the hole gets bigger. And suddenly the hole can swallow a bicycle. And it gets bigger. Um, and I, suddenly, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. It is so good. <laughs> I love this game. It is just perfect. And so the first time I played it, I'm sitting there. The designer is sitting over my shoulder watching me play. And we're both like, we sound like Beavis and Butthead just watching the game. Like, I go into the hole. And so, at one point. I think I had pretty much the same reaction when the first, like, raccoon fell in the hole. I was like, yeah. That raccoon's eating a donut on a scooter. He fell in the hole. Uh. So I like I swallowed everything in the stage, and when the last thing tumbled into the hole, everything that was in the hole started erupting out of it, like Wait, popping what? back what? into the world. And I was like, "Oh, dude, is that like a victory condition?" And now it's just like, uh, fireworks of stuff. He's like, "No, nah, that's that's a glitch. That's never <laughs> happened." <before."> oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I man. Play that game 
pronto. It oh. is it is just so coming, fun. That one's coming out, I think he said this fall to PC mm-hmm. and mobile. Oh, isn't there a PS4 version? Uh, not yet. Uh, that yeah. is apparently in discussion, if I yes. if I remember yeah. correctly. But right now, the only confirmed things are PC and mobile. It, yeah, it's the kind it's the kind of game that like any it, it will work on anything. Yeah, you, you could play it on any platform, and it would work wonderfully. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I think I think that about. Oh no no no. No, 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 oh, no, 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 there's another one? Oh, I have not told you about Graveyard Keeper. Oh, that's right! Oh, I'm sorry, yes, Graveyard yeah. Keeper. Yeah. The the Stardew Valley in hell. Yes! Well, it's not <laughs> hell. It's just, it's, it's a, you are the, uh, the, the keeper, uh, the groundskeeper of a cemetery, in a, a medieval cemetery, and you gotta maintain it. You gotta chop wood. You gotta make tombstones. You gotta dig up bodies. You gotta put body parts together. You get hungry while you're doing that, so you gotta make yourself some food. You gotta gather ingredients and then go cook it in your house and make yourself a little pie so that when you're hungry, you can eat your lunch and then get back to digging graves. It's so Stardew Valley, dude. It's got that that cutesy little 16-bit art going on, and you're this little little guy who looks, I mean, well, you look like a guy who works in a medieval graveyard, frankly. But then, I'm not sure what was going on with this little skull, but this little skull is, like, bouncing around, following him around the graveyard. And it was adorable. I'm like, you are a very cute bouncing skull, sir. <laughs> but it, it's, it's the same exact kind of gameplay as a Stardew Valley in which you have certain things that you're trying to achieve by the end of the day before you have to turn in because it's time to sleep. It just happens to all deal with maintaining this graveyard. That sounds lovely. It's adorable. Yeah. What, it, I mean, what's, the, what's the release date and platforms for that? Uh, it's at least on PS4. I don't know the release date. Unfortunately, I couldn't get anybody to talk to me about that game there were not a lot huh. of people in the tiny build booth that i could talk to um oh, it's the a other tiny game i played game. while i was th- it is it's a tiny build game okay and uh the other the other game i played while i was there <laughs> which is so my aesthetic <laughs> is hello neighbor oh yeah <laughs> what is now hello the, neighbor the gist of hello neighbor is you are trying to sneak into your neighbor's house <laughs> to find out what he's up to and he, understandably, would prefer you not know. So uh, the demo was, was, was pretty short, and it was just like you go around his house, and you can, for example, start a, a generator in the backyard, and he'll hear, hear the noise and come out mm. of his house, which allows you to slip in the window on the other side. But then he's going to come back in, and he's going to see you. If he finds you, he kicks you back out to the curb. The cool thing is everything you've already done stays done. So like if you've already uh, taken taken the wood that he has boarding up a window, if you've already taken that down, nice. the window's still clear. You can still go in that way. So each time you make a little bit more progress into this dude's house. And I just, it's like this wonderful bright sunny day. And it's just the most wonderfully charming awful thing to be doing <laughs> breaking it's you know home invasion but it's happening yeah yeah <laughs> like why why what is wrong with you just leave the man alone but no 
I was, dude, I was in, I'm like, I am going to get in your basement, sir. I am going to figure, I am going to figure out, I am going to figure out what I need to do to get past, like slip through your living room, make sure you're not in the kitchen, and we're going to get into your basement. I think. Because you don't want me to. Yeah, I think the I think the original trailer for that kind of positioned it somewhat as a scary game, like that the, that the is, it, neighbor was up to nefarious ends, and he possibly is. But it, what you're describing sounds a more chipper. I mean, it does sound like no matter what, it sounds like Rear Window, the game. It's, it's, I mean, it's very, very chipper. It is not sinister in atmosphere at all. He may be up to no good, but this is, and it was definitely positioned as a horror game. I remember that sort of language being used. It is not that at all. It is really just a very twisted puzzle game. Hmm. Because, and the puzzle is figuring out how to get past his defenses and him to find out what's going on. Hmm. Man, what and what's this on? PS4, at least. Yeah, God, and yeah, Xbox. Why? Why is everything at PAX good? <laughs> like, like it I don't really under- is. I don't understand. Like, like, well, you know what? Oh. I will tell you why. I will tell you why, as opposed to something like an E3, because most of the stuff at PAX is coming from indie and smaller developers. Sure, they are yeah. not. It's not like, you know, bullshit racing 12. Right. Or or bullshit MMO. Right. Because we, we're trying to make big pots of money. There's yeah. more of a zeroed focus on making an interesting experience. Yeah. I, man, I, I, I uh, see there were other things that I played that are worth mentioning. I played a lovely game that's also Xbox and PS4 and PC called Wolverblade. Oh, yeah. Uh, I know that sounds like like I'm I'm mumbling. Wolverblade. No, Wolverblade is uh, it's the simplest pitch in the world. It's Streets of Rage, uh, and Golden Axe, but you know with old school Vikings like like the show Vikings, and the sprites are enormous. I'm talking like your character fills up like three quarters of the screen, and. Awesome. But, like, it, it's not distracting. Like, it, it's awesome that the characters are so big. And it just feels great. Like, it is... it is the. I walked up to the booth and the guys were like, Did you ever play the Data East uh, Avengers arcade game? I was like, You know I did! You know I, <laughs> you know I did just by looking at me, sir! It's true. <laughs> uh, that was really good. Uh... Very much in line with Hello Neighbor. I'm actually writing about this for us today. Serial cleaner. Not, oh, yeah. Uh, not serial cleaner as in, like, you've cleaned up a bowl of Cap'n Crunch. Like, serial, uh, like the popular podcast about horrible things. Uh, cleaner as in a janitorial service. And that is that is literal. You are... Uh, the, the way I keep describing this is imagine Hotline Miami but filtered through the main character of American Psycho, so everything is real clean and nice. Hmm. Uh, It is... Serial Cleaner is a half-puzzle game, half-stealth game. And you are a guy who is cleaning up a murder scene. You, You are not the murderer. You are the person who is coming in 
and removing evidence after the fact. And so you'll be in like a newspaper office in the 1970s or a campground or a dock. And you, at the very beginning, you're just in the stage. And the stage is set. So like the dock scene, there is, you know, you with your, your 1970s Woody station wagon in the corner. And then you have the ship up top and all the packing containers. And those things are set. And there are police on set paths and they're set too and then out in the field there are three things there is a, a body or multiple bodies that you have to remove by bringing them back to your station wagon a, a weapon like a murder weapon and then just pools massive endless pools of blood and so you need to pick up the items, clear the bodies, and then clean up a set amount of blood by, like, using a vacuum cleaner. So your guy's just running around over it, just like... With the vacuum cleaner. And it'll give you a count. So it's like, you need to get, uh, you know, uh, 80 units of blood to clear the stage. And so you, you have to go through without being spotted and then caught by the police. Uh, so that's your sort of stealth element, and it, it feels a lot, almost like a, a version of the original Metal Gear games from the 80s, but if they actually worked. Uh, so you, the, the line of sight is pretty extreme, but if you hide, say, in a, you know, behind some boxes, the police, like, won't catch you if you're hiding. No matter what, if you hide, you're safe. Okay. The thing is, is if you get caught... The level automatically restarts, and the police are still the same. The layout is still the same, but it will re—it'll change where the bodies are placed. Mm. Cool. So it's not like you—you you can't just rely on perfecting your approach. You have to be very active and reactive. It's not uh, a traditional puzzle game. It's like here's the puzzle, you solve it, and that's it. It's the same way every time. It's very unpredictable. And at first, I, I was like, oh, well, this is simple enough. It sort of felt uh, very much like Hotline Miami in the way it ramps up difficulty. So that f I played eight stages of this. And oh, it was wow. one of those... Yeah, a lot. Like, a lot of it. It was one of those demos that I played. And, you know, like, you go and you're like, all right, I have 20 minutes for this demo session. I, I like I was there for an hour and ten Oh, my minutes. God. Yeah. <laughs> like, they just let me play. And I couldn't, I didn't even realize how much time had passed. It was so engaging. Uh, and just, just a, a beautiful look. Like, you know, American Psycho, I, I, when I highlight American Psycho, that's just to sort of give context for the sense of humor that's at play and the, the sort of very clean aesthetic. But a closer comparison in terms of, like, the actual style is uh, The Nice Guys, the Russell Crowe huh. and Ryan Gosling movie that came out last year. So just like this, like, very dense with 70s uh, flair. It's so cool. And that, that's a game you can actually play right now. Uh, there's an early access version of it, and the full version is out on PlayStation 4 and Xbox and PC in June. I, oh, so Re cool. Real quick, I will tell you about a game that they also let me play as long as I want, but uh, I was very conscious of the amount of time, uh, was Pathologic, which is a remake mm. of Pathologic, and it's done by the same studio, the same people. 
Um, God, this game is depressing and unsettling and <laughs> dismal and dark and dour. Uh, I would never say that it was fun, but it's certainly a well-put-together game uh, that has a lot of moral dilemmas and quandaries to it that don't feel like there's a right answer. Uh, mm. Like, I, I always try and play the good guy, right? Like, I always play Paragon and Mass Effect. I play you know, lawful good, neutral good pretty much as often as I can, because that's just how I like to play. Uh, and in Pathologic, you are a doctor or a surgeon or a uh, witch doctor type girl, uh, Wiccan. You play one of three characters, and your goal is always the same, to find out what this deadly disease afflicting this town is and cure it. And in this demo called the Marble Nest, which apparently you can now download. So if anybody wants to try this. Yep, for free. Yeah, for free. You can download it. Um, take. They said it takes about two to three hours, maybe longer, if you really want to explore. Um, but you'll meet characters, and it's really nice and interesting to see a game where uh, the NPCs really behave like people. They are not necessarily they're your friend uh they are not there to kiss your ass and be oh so thankful for the savior that's come to help them from far land away like they don't trust you they don't like you you put a quarantine in place and they break it they loot and steal and you need to uh steal things back from certain people you're told not to uh give an npc a certain item but you almost have to and the result is not good for that NPC, so you have to take advantage of people. Uh, it's, and the thing is, like, I was sympathetic to everything. You know, I I want to help these people, and it's like you stupid motherfuckers. If you would just <laughs> listen to me, I'm a doctor. I know what I'm doing. Stop looting. Uh, it's it's so beautiful in a grotesque sort of way uh like um you know the same sort of feeling you would get looking at a a geiger painting it's not geiger-esque in its art direction but that's the same sort of a simultaneous attraction and revulsion that you get from pathologic uh super super cool game uh i i don't know that i have the stomach to play all the way through it when it comes out but I bless and give kudos to anybody who does. Man, I, I, Dave, I, I know that we have just been like ranting for. Uh, a, no, no, no! This is great. I like. Uh, I love listening to you guys talk about this stuff because, like, one of my favorite things about PAX is just seeing all the cool stuff people are making and like getting to experience that vicariously through you guys and your <laughs> excitement for everything is really cool. <laughs> Yeah. I all right. One more. One more because I just remembered that I I yelled at Susan and Sam about this game repeatedly, and not just because when I walked by the booth there was just a big sign that just said PC and Vita only. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a game called Pato Box. Oh my God! Yes. <laughs> P A T O space B O X. Dave, yeah, 
I honestly like had to go back and check if Pat Obox was real. Or if like <laughs> I got like knocked out, like somebody dropped something on me and I hallucinated this game. So it is black and white. You control a big beefy man. You are a giant dude wearing just pants and boxing gloves. You are a boxer. You also have a duck's head. <laughs> you are Pato Box. <laughs> and when you start playing Pato Box, you are in a fight and it's straight, it's punch out. It's just punch out. And you would look at it and be like, oh, look, crazy, cool, aesthetic punch out where you're a duck boxer. And you fight this guy, and it's black and white, and it looks like a cross between, like, 80s indie comics, like, Mouse and Punch-Out. But then in the middle of the first fight, when you're playing it like Punch-Out, you know, like, the boxer's in front of you, and you're in the foreground, and you're throwing uppercuts and trying to dodge his hits, he stabs you repeatedly <laughs> with a knife. And then Paddle Box is bleeding. And a cutscene starts where, like, Elmore Leonard-style noir narration starts popping up on the screen. And it's like, you've been betrayed, and all you can feel is the knife in your back. And Pato Box crawls out into the street where his blood is mixing with the rain. And then the silhouette of a woman appears before him. And then you're stuck in, like, some kind of weird adventure game in a hotel or something? <laughs> <laughs> and you're 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 a paddle box, but it would almost be like it's almost like jazz punk, where you're wandering around as this duck man trying to like figure out how to unlock doors and stuff. I don't know what the hell this game is. I, that's what I saw. The Vita that's, means life. That's and, and I played it on. I played it on a Vita. They had a Vita at the demo station where I got to box a chef and not like in a boxing ring he was in front of a big soup pot stirring it and every now and again he'd hit me with the spoon and i'd punch him in his fat face and <laughs> it was amazing it's so great <laughs> yeah i'm that looking was... this up now <laughs> yeah it was paddle box paddle box and magic susan is there anything else that you saw at pax while we're I, just thinking of things no i i think we should go now <laughs> yeah i think that's it i think <laughs> i think i think if ever there was a way for us to wrap this up yeah boxer with a duck box. head yeah it, it's it, it. much in the same way that there's no transitioning from mass effect andromeda there's no following paddle box <laughs> Thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, if you want to read more in-depth about games uh, like Battle Chef Brigade or Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, go to GamesRadar.com. We've written up uh, our, our packs, uh, sites, and sounds. You can go check those things out. We encourage you to. And we'll be back next week talking about Persona 5. Uh, which we are not legally allowed to say whether it's good or bad. But if this sound means anything to you, <laughs> woo, uh, then come back and listen to that show. We will see you then, everybody. Thank you for listening. Bye, everybody. Bye.